All right, we've got on today's show Darren Jenkins. How are you, mate? Not bad, mate. Pretty yeah. good. Yourself? Yeah, good, mate. Um, we'll, so we'll crack it right back to the beginning. Um, when, did, when did you get into triathlon? Um, I never really got into triathlon at school. I was a runner and never really wanted to do triathlon because I couldn't swim um, and I didn't have a bike, so that sort of turned you into a runner. But I'd watched the 2004 um, Ironman down at Busso, which is my hometown, and I was inspired watching um, Shorto out there in front winning that day and also by um, Pete Jacobs smashing it at such a young age to come in second. And I met a guy down there who suggested I do Ironman and that he would coach me. And I, I told him it was Danny Andres, his, his name was, he's from Sydney. Um, runs Pulse Tri Club. I told him that I, I wasn't interested in Ironman and I'd do um, marathons and he could coach me for that. And sort of 18 months later, I was towing the line at Kona. So. <laughs> nice. So, so when, did, when did you, um, how old were you at that time? Um, 2004. It was 2005. I guess I would have been 24. 24. So, what race did you qualify for Kona? Is- well, I raced Bustledon, and back in the day, you had to qualify for Ironman Australia by racing um, a half Ironman or Ironman in Australia. So I raced Bustledon, came third in my age group. That qualified me for Port Macquarie, which I qualified for Kona at, right. by coming fifth in my age group, I think. And then, yeah, went to Kona that year and then um, turned up. That was 2006, I raced Kona, and then... Uh, back down to Bustledon for 2006 and 2007, where I had pretty good races down there as well. Nice. So what did you do any sports as a child? Um, yeah, I moved to Bunbury to, to boarding school when I was 11 and um, had to have a winter sport, so I took up running at the uh, Bunbury Runners Club, and I've sort of done it ever since. Right. So when, so when did you turn pro? Well, initially... I um I raced Bustled in two thousand and seven and and um broke the age group record for the second year in a row of an eight hour fifty, which was good enough to apply for a pro license. Yeah. But I fell off my bike in February, early February two thousand and eight, and that sort of ended that dream there for a while. Um, but five years later, I got myself back to the, the stage where I thought that I might be able to have a crack at being a pro again and I sort of got down to the close to the nine hours again and got Shorto to coach me again leading into Kona and uh, just turned pro at the beginning of this year. Right, so you said um, you, ca- you came off your bike. Now, you had a pretty nasty injury, didn't you? Yeah, look, I was out with a group of mates in Sydney coming down the uh, the – hills in Waterfall National Park and it was a uh, Sunday morning I think and we're flying down the hills at probably 70, 80k an hour, something like that on a time trial bike and all the guys on the roadies were riding away from me and I um, I slipped as I went around a corner and ripped all the tissue off my right knee and that wasn't too bad at that stage. So I sort of debrised it, cleaned it up, stitched it up. But three weeks later, I was just walking down the street and kneecap snapped in half and things started to go from bad to worse fairly quickly. Oh. 
Jeez, that that must have been pretty nasty. So, what uh, what what went through your head through the rehabilitation side? Because you're at this stage, you you could have gone um, got your pro license. Yeah, you, the world's at your at your fingertips, I guess, and you've just been dealt with this pretty big, devastating blow. Yeah, look, for me, mate, it was a, it was a pretty tough time. Um, I was lucky enough; I met my wife during that period, and she helped me <laughs> through the. Uh, sorry, yeah, you're on, mate. She helped me through. Um, on Skype, basically, um, seven operations, and and just she was there the whole time while I was in the hospital and everything. And yeah, um, look, basically, I went from from training with Luke Dragster, riding up and down the hills in the biggest gear, you got on the bike and and having a great time out there to to sitting in a hospital, being told you're going to lose your leg. Oh. Yeah. So, so it was just it was just really tough because the doctors just want to get you out of there if you know what I mean they they just want to get you back out out of hospital and they don't really care about whether you're ever going to run again but they're telling me I was was never going to run again and I guess I was quite stubborn and arrogant and wouldn't wouldn't accept that really so I told them I had to come up with a different alternative for every everything they wanted to do yeah uh until we came up with something that I was happy with. Was that, yeah, that, so, that involved a, a long time lying around in hospital to, to fix fix the injury, basically. So so you get back to the stage where you're strong enough to start training again. What, what's going through your mind at that stage? Because there must be a lot of doubts, um, a lot of fear riding on the roads and stuff, or were you pretty, pretty right there to slowly get back into it? Well... <clears throat> Look, mate, at the end of the day, I fell off the bike in, in January and with the help of Louise Daverin and um, and her team of, of Pilates specialists, I was able to keep pretty strong, but I wasn't re- really able to bend the knee until probably September and it was October 2008 before I could even turn a full turn of the pedals. So I had a, a hell of a long time of just waiting around rather than even you know the the crash was years ago in my mind by the time I actually got to ride on the roads or anything again right yeah so I didn't really think either um that I would ever get back to the stage where I'd race at, at any sort of a level I was just happy to be able to still be out there and do something if you know what I mean yeah so when how long was it till you got back into your next race <clears throat> well uh, I moved to England um, for the year for 2009 and sort of stayed over there until, yeah, just before Busso. I came back about eight weeks before Busso, I think, and put in a little bit of training for Busso off off the back of doing some, some light base work and, and gym work and stuff like that in England. I thought, you know what, I've got to have a crack at an Ironman again and just see where I'm at, see if I can still do this. Yeah. So I turned up at Busso. Cranked out of nine hours forty and thought, well, okay, that's probably as good as I'm going to get. You know, yeah. that's that's me now for for what I'm at. So I was pretty happy with that, and then I just went back and studied and finished my degree. Yeah, didn't really think I'd ever be able to get back to getting a pro license again. 
So, so when did you um, get your pro license? Um, yeah, it was after Kona last year because I, I turned up in Kona and had a good race. We'd prepared really well for it. Um, spent some time in Maui, um, and I I was the fastest Australian age grouper and. And I knew I'd done the work and, and what I needed to and that the body was responding well and, and that I could probably have a crack at this as a pro. So, yeah, we decided to, to do that. So, so you said Jason Shortest has been your coach. When did you start with Jason? Um, well, sort of uh, Danny Andres coached me up to when I qualified for Kona and I was looking for, for um, I guess, somebody to help me move on to the next step um probably didn't need to Danny could have taken me all the way but uh I, I really wanted somebody with a lot more Ironman experience and um I sort of chased up Bill Davron but Bill said to me that he was too busy I've got an athlete of mine that's doing a bit of coaching though and he might help you out I said oh yeah who's that and he said Jason Shortest I couldn't believe it so <laughs> yeah I'll bet um so Next thing, I got Jason's number and I'm giving him a call and, and that was in 2006 and he coached me to Kona the first time. So um, after the injury in 2008, um, I sort of said to him that I'd I'd give him a call if I ever got back to, to the level where I needed his help again, if you know what I mean. Yeah. And when I crossed the line in uh, 2000. And, 12 at Bustledon with a 906 and qualified for Kona. Shorto was there at the line and I, I said, mate, sorry. Yeah, you're all right. I, I said, mate, I think I need your help again. <laughs> that, must have been, that must have been just absolute sweet uh, asking that from, from yeah, where look, you were to where you got to. It's been, I think, I don't think either of us believed I'd ever get back to the stage where I'd need to be being coached to be a pro again or any of that. So, yeah, yeah sorry, I'm a bit emotional about it. It's, it's been quite a journey, but, yeah. Oh, completely understandable. So what's Jason done um, for you since in this last – since joining up with him again? Well, look, Shorto's, Shorto's really um, – he's a great mentor. He's helped me to – to, to learn what it is to be a professional athlete. I mean, the guy's got 83 pro Ironmans under his belt. He's spent uh, 20 years in the sport. He's very well respected and he knows what it is to be a professional. Um, and it's not all about the times and and what place you, you turn up at and all that sort of stuff. It's it's a lot more than that as well. And uh, I think he's he's really helped me to, to, to grow as a person and, and learn – to to really just be happy with where you're at at the time and then and then work towards constantly building that which yeah. I think has been a real help hey, gained I, I, a lot of perspective yeah I see you've got one of like you're sponsored by ASICS which is one of um Shorto's um uh, Shorto's sponsors Do, does he help you with that side of it like the business side as well um no ASICS has been um a great sponsor of mine since um, 2006, I think I, I first um, hooked up with ASICS through Sports World in, in Western Australia. Just coincidentally, Shorto is sponsored by the same same shoe company. Nice. Um, he's sort of helped me a lot with 
with how to approach sponsors and and uh, what things I can be doing for the sponsors. Um, and certainly, it, look, it took me a long time to get back to being sponsored by ASICS because I went after my accident. I was in in the UK and I didn't know anybody over there from from ASICS, and it's really hard to um, to make a connection there. But but as soon as I um, contacted Sam Chu when I came back to Australia in, in 2013, they're very happy to jump on board and help again, which I'm I'm ecstatic about because I've actually I've never run in anything else. Ah, oh, excellent, excellent. Mate. So obviously Jason Shoulders has been a big influence. Who are the other people who have been um, big influences in your life? Um, well, look, certainly my wife. Um, my wife's a professional performer. She's a, an aerialist, so she does silks and hoop and, and things like that for corporate entertainment. Um, and she's also got a doctorate in physics, so she sort of helped me to learn that you can do whatever you like in your life. Yeah. Um, and following your passion is, is, is very important. So she's been very, very supportive in, in me building back up and she knows how much it's meant to me to, to get back to this stage as well. So that, that's been fantastic. Yeah. Um, as far as sponsors, I've had, uh, I've been very fortunate to meet some, some great people in the UK have been helping me out. Um, Jamie Hawthorne is one of the uh, one of my greatest um, supporters in the UK. He owns a company called Multisports Distributions. Yeah. Um, they take care of blue competition cycles, which they've helped me out with a bike this year after I got hit by a car and wrote my bike off. Um, he also looks after fusion clothing, so don't have to worry about all my soccer gear and all that sort of stuff, and it's fantastic gear as well. Yeah, yeah. Um, and I'm I'm lucky enough to swim in the UK at Hampton Pool, and I've got a heap of really good influences down there as well. It's a great little tight knit community, and that's that's fantastic to have such good support there. Yeah. But look, really, the biggest influences I've had over my career have been from from the Bunbury Triathlon Club. To be honest, yeah. People like my best man, Chris Kiley, who's just retired from doing Ironman, I think. <laughs> um, he's 63 and he's done 10 bustled Ironmans. Nice. Um, I remember years and years and years ago, it was actually right back at the beginning, I'd qualified for Port Macquarie and I was uh, up at a triathlon in Mandra and I was saying to Chris, look, mate, I don't think I want to go and race this Port Macquarie thing. I don't think it's Ironman stuff for me. I'm just going to race marathons. And he said, mate, there's only one thing you need to be thinking about right now, and that's how you're going to get to Port Macquarie because you need to race that Ironman. And uh, we ended up driving over there together and travelled across Australia together and we both raced over there and qualified for Kona. And really without Chris pushing me in that direction and, and believing that I could do do well at Ironman, I don't think I ever would have even got over to Port Macquarie and done it in the first place. Yeah. Um, I see a lot of the pros, they they keep a very close eye on what all the other pros are doing. Do you keep a a bit of an eye at what your competitors are doing either in racing, training and on the business side of the sport? Or do you just kind of keep keep it to yourself, like concentrate on yourself? Look, I think at the end of the day, um, you've got to be who you are. I'm not trying to be any of the other pros. I'm trying to be me, yeah. the best version of me that I can be. So 
at the end of the day, I think, yeah, I'm interested in what they're doing for, for them, um, but I'm not going to really focus on trying to, to emulate, emulate that or whatever. Um, in training, I do what works for me. Um, we, we work based on feel a lot, but we also, you know, we've got a lot of science behind what we're doing as well. So I don't really get caught up with doing huge mileage or anything like that or, or worrying about what everybody else is doing because at the end of the day, they might need to do a thousand K a week on the bike or whatever, but I don't need to do that. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, I'm, I'm not really, I don't, don't really like to get too caught up in it, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Mate, if you could um, take over WTC from a pro's point of view, what would, what would you be doing different? Oh, um, yeah, I think, I think a lot more respect needs to be, to be given to the pros and, and that um, rather than building the profile of the, uh, of the brand, I think they need to, to be giving back to the, the sport a bit more and building a profile of the athletes, to be fair. Yeah. I think a lot, a lot more, um, a lot more um, media coverage of, of the uh, of the races is obviously necessary as well. I mean, we've seen from Challenge just now in Bahrain that's possible to to have really good coverage. Yeah, and I think going forward, that's something that needs to be a part of the sport. Oh, absolutely. Yeah, they they did a really good job, Challenge Bahrain. Yeah, yeah, at the moment, all I can really do is jump on my wind trainer, and I've I've wind trained, um, cycled to that a couple of times. It's really good. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, they they really are moving forward with the sport with with challenge at the moment, and I, I hope WTC can sort of jump on board with with some of the initiatives that that um, challenge is sort of putting forward in the sport. Yeah. Mate, so have you got a, um, a, a like a full time job or a part time job or are you a full time athlete or? Um, yeah, um, full time full time athlete. Yeah. yeah, sort of. Um, as I said, my my wife's an aerialist, so she does corporate entertainment and things like that. I've got a company called Viva. Uh, without Viva, I wouldn't be able to do what I do, basically. Yeah. Um, I'm, I do all the rigging and health and safety for Viva. So um, basically when, when we turn up at, at a gig, if I'm actually around, otherwise I, I get my mate Ben to, to take over for me, um, I climb up inside the structure of the building and I'll, I'll put steel stingers down from, from uh, points in the roof and set up the silks or whatever aerial equipment we're using so that we can um, have the show. Oh, yeah, yeah. So I've been doing that, but also um, over the last 12 months, I've developed a, um, a relationship with uh, Vertical Services. It's a uh, roped access company in Perth. Yeah. And, yeah, coincidentally, every, every time I've raced an Ironman this year in Australia, I've flown out the next day to start work on, on FIFO. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, haven't, haven't been able to party, but that's okay. It's good. Um so that's sort of how I'm paying for it at the moment with rigging and, and all that sort of stuff and roped access. Right. So do you ever get um, – do you ever have the times where you start questioning yourself with the, in, within the sport? Yeah, look, absolutely. Um, th- this year's been a hell of a lot of that. I mean, I've, I've really been trying to settle into the, the, uh, 
the task of racing as a pro, and I know that I'm a little bit behind out of the water most of the time, and and certainly spend the first half of the bike on my own and questioning why I do this, why I'm why I'm not just racing as an age grouper and and sitting out in front. But then I I start to realise. I, I certainly realised at Bustleton that, you know, at the end of the day, um, it's, it's not all about the swim and it's not all about where you are halfway through the bike. Um, certainly things can change throughout the day and things can change throughout the year. Um, and I, I guess when, when you do question yourself and why you're doing it all, I, I just sort of keep the goal in mind. Yeah. And, and and then remember where I've come from. Yeah, yeah. Because when you think back to lying in a hospital bed, thinking you'd never do it again, well, you can't really question whether you should be out there doing it. You just get out there and have some fun, you know. That's right. I, uh, you did you, you um I think at Bustleton you ran a lot of the um, people up front down, didn't you? Because you were the first Australian across the line. Was that right? Yeah, absolutely. Look, um, Busso wasn't a great day for me. I can tell you right now. Um, it's the first time my runs let me down for for a few years, but um, to to be able to say my run let me down, I ran a three oh six. Yeah, I'm happy with that. Um, but yeah, I I had a bit of a poor swim. I knew I was going to because I've had a few issues with with the ribs and stuff this year. But um, I hadn't really had the time to get the training in either because I've been busy putting up Christmas decorations all over London for, for three weeks in uh, November, uh, in sorry, in late October. So I only flew out to Australia in the start of November to start training. Um, but I got onto the run and I had real stomach problems from about 10K until the finish. And it was just really great to have the support of the, of the locals and, and all the crowd there to, to get me to the line because I'll tell you what, it was the hardest marathon I've ever had to run. Yeah. So and I had uh, Shorto chasing me down, having a very bad day himself as well and didn't really, didn't really want to have to deal with that. <laughs> I started walking. Yeah, Jace looked pretty strong on the run though. But um, you said you had a, 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 bad, a poor swim, but you were expecting it. That was from your accident in the UK, was that right? Yeah, look, um, the, the day before Ironman UK, I got hit by a car, um, riding my bike into transition, so busted a rib and, and uh, hurt my hip as well. Had to have a cortisone injection in the hip. A um, few weeks, probably six weeks, where I couldn't really swim properly at all. Um, it's taken a, a fair bit to build back from that. I mean, the first... First time I raced was Challenge Weymouth. Lucky for me, I suppose, the swim was shortened because of the rough conditions. Um, I was able to have a fairly good day there and came in fourth. But um, Busso is not a race that, that you can fake. Um, yeah. The swim's a long, straight swim. The bike's a long, flat bike. And it's hot and windy. The day finds you out if you're not fit enough. Yeah, and, yeah. Uh, so I hadn't really had the time to put the work in. For this one just yet, but that's okay. We knew where we were at. Yeah, excellent. So, where do you see yourself now, and what do you, what do you have to do to get to that next next level up? Look, basically, we we sat down, had a bit of a chat. Next year's going to be a bit more focused. I mean, um, I'm very happy to be able to race the the uh, entire series for a um, series called the Castle Series next year in the UK. Yeah. So, um, 
the Castle series is basically um, five half Ironmans that are taking place at, at different castle venues around the United Kingdom, uh, one of them in France, actually, and one of them in Ireland as well. Um, so I'm going to focus on, on building the Ks and the swim and, and really sort of dialing in that new technique that we've been building on as well over the last few months. And hopefully going into these halves, I can start to really pick up the swim and, and build the strength on the bike as well. And towards the end of the year, we're going to do a very, very focused period leading into Bustledon. So I'm not going to race quite as much this year uh, over the long stuff. I'm going to focus a bit more on the halves and, and the Ironmans that I do do, I'm going to make sure to build up to them with, with a very, very focused program as well. Whereas yeah. I think last year we raced a lot of Ironmans. <laughs> so how do you deal with the business side of triathlon? Have you, do you do it, manage it all yourself or have you got a manager or someone? No, I just sort of do it all myself, yeah, build, build relationships with the, with the sponsors that I, uh, that I believe in and, and really, really only want to build relationships with the brands that, that I use by choice. So, yeah. I mean, I don't feel that I really need need a manager at this stage for that because I mean, um, I'm already using the products. I've sort of built up relationships with, with these guys and and um, hopefully it's mutually beneficial for both of us. Yeah. So do you find it that um, you, you've got Australian sponsors and you've got UK sponsors, is dealing with them um, different the way you've got, got to approach it or is it all pretty well the same? Yeah, look, it's a bit of a unique situation. Uh, it's, it's a little bit interesting because obviously in Australia you've got the uh, there's different distributors for the same brand. So if if you're sponsored by ASICS Australia, you're not necessarily sponsored by ASICS uh, UK, but at the end of the day, that's that's all right. You, you're an ASICS athlete, so yeah. so you deal with um, whoever you're dealing with. Um, talk have been have been great to look after nutrition in the UK, and it's taken a long time, but, but um, I've I've got a deal going now with Talk in Australia as well. So you, you've really got to be working on both fronts and making sure that. You know the, the distributors in in Australia are getting enough coverage as well. If you're racing all the time in in the UK, you need to make sure you race some of the time in in Australia. So you've got to really make sure that you're doing something for everybody. Yeah. Yeah. So you've got you've got your own coaching business. How long have you had that for? Um. Yeah. Look, I've been coaching since probably 2010 when I finished my degree. Um. I, it's it's quite a small coaching business. I only sort of deal online through Training Peaks with probably seven or eight athletes at a time. I don't like to have too many people because I like to be able to to sort of keep on top of of, um, of everything, if you know what I mean. Yeah, yeah. Um, everything's personalised, so there's none of, none of those generic programs or anything. I write all their programs once a week. So, um, yeah, it's been going quite well. I've had a number of people... Um, do well in Kona. Um, Dimity, Dimity Duke was one of my athletes until a short time ago. Um, we've part of ways she's gone, gone on to to other things um, leading forward. But uh, I feel that yeah, she really grew over the time that we were working together as well. So um, yeah, I've learned a lot as as a coach, and and I think being able to to coach um, other athletes, you, you actually learn a lot about racing for yourself as well so it's been good
So what's your coaching business name and where can people um, find out more about it? It's Never Give In, Try and Multisport. So um, Never Give In, the name's pretty obvious what it means. Um, But you can find out uh, more about it at www.nevergivein.com or obviously through my um, own website at darrenjenkins.com as well. And I'll put both those links on the show notes. What do you do for fun that isn't triathlon related? What do I do for fun? Well, um, probably now it's it's more about um, circus stuff and climbing, to be honest. <laughs> um, yeah. Um, I love fire breathing. I think that's great fun. Yeah. Um, Good party trick. There's not a huge amount of time, to be honest. We, we seem to always be so busy, but I love to travel. Um, to be honest, I, I think that's probably why I'm, why I'm racing as a pro. I've, I've travelled all over Europe in the last couple of years with, with Michelle. We've driven, driven a caravan from, from one side of Europe to the other and then back up through the guts and all over the Alps and everywhere. And I just love exploring and finding finding out about the next place and, and going on to see new things. I think yeah. that's probably my favourite thing to do for fun, to be honest. Yeah. If you could race anyone, past or present, who would you love to race against and obviously beat them? <laughs> uh, I, I think think it would probably be a, a fantastic race to be able to race with, with Mark Allen or Dave Scott and, and to uh, be competitive with them. I wouldn't say that I'd... I necessarily have to beat them, <laughs> but they're definitely a couple of legends of the sport. Yeah, but um, what advice would you, would you give yourself going back ten years ago? Yeah, it could be triathlon or just personal personal advice. Ten years ago, yeah, I, I think I would have told myself ten years ago to go travel because yeah. it took me. A few years longer than that to actually leave Australia and go and travel and see things, and I've learnt so much from travelling that, yeah, I think that's probably the biggest bit of advice we give myself. Yeah. So when do you go back to the UK? I'll be heading back in May actually, so we've got quite a while here this time. So, so you obviously going? Are you going to be racing the local tri scene or? Yeah, as I say, only the um, the Castle Series will be my my big focus for the year over there so and what about australia in australia um i'm really going to be building up i might do bustled and half ironman but i'm not sure about that i really want to want to spend the time sort of a doing doing a bit of work with um with the roped access stuff to save a bit of cash so when i go to europe i can have a great season away and uh b i really need to hone in on the swim so i'll be spending a, a lot of time focusing on the swim over the next few months building that up as well so so what do you say so you know what needs to be done in the swim but um is it is it a technique thing or is it just a matter of um trying to become as, as strong in the water as possible or what are you what are your main focus look it, it's a lot about technique um obviously but i think also um coming from a running background and Having gone through the things I've gone through, injuries over the years, a lot of the time, especially with my knee, uh, I wasn't actually able to swim at all for a very long time because of my knee because it was constantly infected. So yeah. it's just 
I need to get that consistent time in the water. And I think at the end of the day, um, we're going to have to go backwards slightly on the bike and, and the run and and spend that energy in the pool for a bit. And then we'll build the, the bike and the run back up again from there because I'm not going to lose a lot anyway. Yeah. So I think that's what the focus will be, really, really on building the, the good ingrained technique over the volume in the water. Excellent. So what uh, I'd like to finish off all the interviews with, have you got a, any funny stories or embarrassing stories in either racing training or in travel? I have, yes. There was quite an embarrassing uh, <laughs> story, actually. There's, it involves a magpie <laughs> and a roundabout and a chicane. And uh, I, I was riding down down the uh, Tuart Forest Road there in Bustledon in, in 2009 after I'd come back from from uh, Europe and I was training out there on the course. And and I'd been away a while. I'd forgotten all about the magpies that used to attack me when I was getting the cows in down down uh, down in Bustledon area. But um, this magpie come flying down. He was attacking me with gusto and I – Turned around, went off my brain, and started waving my arms above my head and swearing at him because I just had enough of being abused by this magpie. And um, I turned around and waved my arm back so hard that I threw myself off balance, and the bike slid out from underneath me, and I slid along the chicane oh. on the on, on the road leading into the roundabout there, just before you turn into Bustledon on the Stuart Forest Road. And, there are about 20 cars around and they're all just pissed themselves laughing at this cyclist <laughs> in his aero helmet sliding along on the chicane with a magpie attacking him and trying to bite him in the face. And, uh, yeah, that was probably the most embarrassing thing I've ever done in training. <laughs> so while you were down, the magpie was still trying to attack you? He was still having a bash, absolutely. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's great. <laughs> but, so um, what, what's your Twitter handle so people can follow you? It's underscore never give in. Never give in. Lovely work, mate. Well, thank you very much for the interview. Anything You wanted to share anything at all? No, that's great. Thanks, Tim. Good to cheers. talk to you. Yeah, cheers. Appreciate it. All the best for um, next year, mate. All right. Cheers, mate. Cheers. See ya.